Brothers and sisters, it's good to be here. Isn't it good to be in the house of the Lord? We have the ability to meet together with the saints of the Most High God, and we've come into a we've come into a, a, the spirit of just men made perfect. They're watching too, and an innumerable company of angels. They're here too. These aren't just things we say; these are realities. If you've got more, you've probably got more people here in than the unseen attendance that's in the seen attendance. Let that weigh heavily on you when you when you hear these things, and let that weigh heavily on you if you were to, if you ever are to speak in the assembly. We don't ever want to say anything in the in the assembly that's going to either offend our brethren, but most importantly, angels desire to look into these things. Let's give them something. Worthy of looking into. Our text tonight is going to be in Malachi 3.3. And he shall sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. And he shall purify the sons of Levi and purge them as gold and silver that they may offer unto the Lord an offering in righteousness. Tonight we are continuing with our series on the person of Jesus Christ. You know, Jesus is big. His person is really inexhaustible. If you run out of things to say about him, it's because you've reached the end of what you've seen about him. You haven't reached the end of him. This will be our 45th lesson concerning the person of Jesus Christ. Roughly 25 hours of preaching and teaching and we haven't covered the same ground twice. If there is anyone to be heard, it's Him. If there is anyone to be known, it's Him. If you can only do one thing with the small segment of time you've been given on this earth, knowing Jesus is the top priority. People who don't know Him aren't going to be with Him. You not only have to know Him, He has to know you. Actually, you cannot know Him and He not know you. See, it's not enough just to, when I say that, it's not enough just to like know about Jesus. You have to understand Jesus. You have to be found in Jesus. And Jesus has to be found in you. Your salvation is dependent on one thing and one thing alone. Jesus Christ and the work that he has done and is doing in you. In this world, there's a principle all around us. That has affected not only how we live on the earth, but our quality of living on the earth as well. It's affected virtually every single facet of your life, believe it or not. It's the principle of refinement. Without refinement, life on the earth would not be like it is today. Virtually everything we touch throughout the day has been refined or is being refined. Or has been engineered. There's been a purpose behind it. There's been a working behind it. Rarely ever do we touch raw materials. Or raw ingredients. It's things that are put together. They're put together for a reason. They're put together for a purpose. They've been refined for a purpose. And for a reason. The clothes you wear. The food you eat. Even the food you eat is prepared. The place where you live in. 
the vehicle that you get in and drive down the road, your place of occupation, the bed that you sleep in. Virtually everything that we touch, whether you're poor or whether you're rich, has been refined to some certain degree for a purpose. Building materials have been refined. The wood had to be cut and dried in a kiln before it was fit to make a building with it. The steel has to be refined in a furnace before it can be fashioned into the nails that hold the building together. And after they're fashioned, they have to be heat treated. They have to go through a special treatment process so that they'll be able to hold up the weight of the building. See, there's, a, there's an intention behind the refinement and there's a purpose. The car you drive was made from refined materials and how those parts work together has been refined by the engineers for performance and efficiency. Even the gasoline you put in the car has been refined from the raw petroleum in the earth. Anything that requires an update in this life needs one because the system or process is constantly updating and refining. Most things that men discern as precious have been refined. You can dig a diamond or a ruby up out of the ground, but I'll tell you right now, nobody's going to be impressed with it until it's refined, see? You can pull a chunk of silver ore out of the earth and it's going to look like a wad of dirt until the refiner's fire touches it and it makes all the difference in the world after that. See, without the heat of the refiner's fire, the ore can't be turned into silver. And so what good is iron ore or silver ore to a silversmith? See, the principle is everywhere in the things that are made. And all things were made by him and for him. And this principle points to the ultimate reality that we must be refined to enter into our heavenly habitation of the kingdom of our God. We must be refined. Today I want to talk about this aspect of the Lord Jesus Christ, that He sits as a refiner and a purifier. This trial and perfection is the Lord's manner. That even Job, without a Bible, or the Holy Spirit was well aware of, he said, but he knoweth the way that I take. When he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. See, that, that's how much Job trusted the Lord, even in affliction. Solomon also, with the same limited knowledge, also said, The fining pot is for silver and the furnace for gold, but the Lord trieth the heart. See, he, he had this understanding that this is how, this is how God works. And King David, the man after God's own heart, knew this. He said, For thou, O God, hast proved us. Thou hast tried us as silver is tried. And the Lord spoke through the prophet Zechariah. He said, And I will bring the third part through fire. And I will refine them as silver is refined. And will try them as gold is tried. And they shall call on my name. And I will hear them and say, it is my people, and they shall say, The Lord is my God. And again through the prophet Isaiah, Behold, I have refined thee, but, but not with silver. I have chosen thee in the furnace of affliction. See, this, this is the Lord's manner on His people. The furnace of affliction. The trial of our faith. 
There's going to be a lot of people that boast that they know God. A lot of people that boast that they follow God, but that profession is going to be tried. That declaration is going to be tried. It's going to be like gold is tried. You know, they, they have an ore that's fool's gold ore. And that won't make it through the same trial that gold will. It'll burn up. Now, in order for something to be refined, the raw ingredients must first exist. You can't refine gold from iron ore. You could, you could try all day. People, people have actually tried that for centuries. It's called transmutation. They've tried to make gold from iron through chemistry. But you can't refine gold from iron ore. You can't cut a diamond from a block of granite. It won't work. You can't reform a sinful man to be a righteous man either. You can't do it. Neither can any amount of refinement cause flesh and blood to enter the kingdom of heaven. See, it, it, it won't work. There has to be a there has to be a something new to mold and shape and refine. Adam's race cannot be reformed. The sinful nature cannot be refined to be acceptable to God. See, it must be put to death. The old nature must be put to death. The, the deeds of the flesh must be put to death. In Christ. We are a new progeny. We're, we're a new race of men. He said, put off the old man and put on the new man, which is created in righteousness and true holiness. We must be made new creatures. It's a truth. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. When we emerge from the waters of baptism, we emerge into a new life. In baptism, the operation of God occurs. We are buried with Christ and raised with Him. We are cleansed of our sin. Our consciences are purged so that we can serve God. We are translated into the kingdom of God's dear Son. It's not a reforming of the old, but a removal of the old and an insertion of the new. God removes the stony heart out of our flesh and He gives us a heart of flesh. God puts His Spirit in us. He puts His laws in us and writes them on our heart. We are created a new creation, created in righteousness and true holiness. We are made accepted in the Beloved. This is a, that's a creation word. We are reconciled to God, not only because sin has been taken out of the way, but because we have been made in His likeness. See, salvation is not to be viewed as an, as an admission ticket. In order for men to be saved, their essential nature must be changed. We must be, be begotten again unto a, unto a new order. See, unto a lively hope. Begotten again unto a lively hope. We must be begotten of God. We must be born of God. Jesus said, unless a man's born again, he can't see, can't even see the kingdom of heaven. Let's enter into it. There will, which tells you this, there will be no unchanged people in heaven when you compare them with Adam's race. Salvation changes people and it's a real change. 
It's not an external label slapped upon half-hearted people because they prayed a prayer and agree with a list of facts according to the wisdom of men. Salvation is a transformative work of the Almighty God in changing people who have wholeheartedly responded by faith to the truth of God. Salvation is not accepting the unrighteous. It's not God looking the other way and accepting unrighteousness. God is making the unrighteous righteous. No one will get into heaven that has not had a change of heart and a change of mind and a change of nature. Consider that God will judge us all by what we do. I understand that we're saved by grace and we're justified by faith and that and and it's a gift of God and it's not of ourselves. Nevertheless, never one time in the scripture is it stated that we are judged by grace. It says that we are all judged by what we have done and that that's listed about a dozen times in the scripture that he's coming to to judge every to reward every man according to what his work shall be. He said we shall all all stand before the judgment throne of God to give a, an account of the deeds done in the body whether good or evil. Yes. We're all going to be judged by it. Therefore, if what you call salvation doesn't change what you do, how is it salvation at all if we're going to be judged by our works? What what good will it do if if you stand before God imperfect if we're going to be judged by our works? Jesus said, for by your words you will be justified and for by your words you will be condemned. Well, a salvation doesn't, that doesn't alter my words is a concerning thing if men present salvation that way. See, the salvation of God is transformative. It, it changes what you do. It changes what you say. It changes what you love. It changes what you hate. It's a transformative thing. It is written, Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming in which all that are in the grave shall hear His voice and shall come forth, they that have done good to the resurrection of life, and they that have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. Well, if what a person presents to me as salvation doesn't cause me to do good, then how exactly is it salvation? You, you see what, I'm, what I'm, I'm, I'm saying here is that God's salvation is a real salvation. It's an intimate and involved thing. It, it changes a person. You see then that by works a man is justified and not by faith only. See, a, a person can see with their eyes if their eyes work. And a person will do what the Lord tells them to do if they have a living faith. Yes. Salvation is not God excusing sinners. It's God forgiving sinners yes. and changing them to no longer have a preference for sin, but to hate it just as He hates it. Yes. The salvation of God changes us to hate what God hates and to love what God loves even if competitive desires rise up in us and we are tempted to do what is wrong, we have a new desire not to give that expression. So we, we, have, a, we have an overriding desire to, to say, no, I'm, I'm not going to do that, where we didn't have that before. We keep under our bodies not because we have to, but because we want to. 
We serve God not because we have to, but because we want to. And many of these changes are immediate when we come into Christ, but not all of them are immediate. When we enter into the kingdom, we are created new in Christ, but that new person is in baby form. We, we, bec- we enter, you enter the kingdom as, as little, ch- as, as little children, as babes. Now desire the sincere milk of the word. When we enter the kingdom, we are created new in Christ, but like a babe, like a newborn baby in the world, there's a lot we don't know. Mm-hmm. Babies in the world must learn how to walk. They must learn how to talk. Must learn how to feed themselves. They must be taught and instructed. There's liabilities there. It's the same way in the kingdom. When we come into the kingdom, we don't, we don't, we're, we're not, a baby can't go out and get a full-time job. The baby's gotta grow up first. You can't take a baby home from a hospital and dress him up in a suit and give him a briefcase and say, go out to work and pay the bills. But brethren, there's a lot of churches today that are sending babies out to reach the lost. See, we're, we've gotta grow up in the Christ in all things and that's, that's this refiner. That's Jesus. He's sitting as a refiner. People are not intended to stay babies if they're going to be profitable members of society. And when you enter the kingdom of God, God intends for you to grow up, to be profitable to Him. Salvation is not really referred to then as a one-time event in the Scripture. Not surprising. It's referred to as the race set before us. That, that's how it's presented. It's referred to as a course. Paul said, I, I, I fought a good fight. I finished my course. It's, it's a, it's something to be worked out. So God works it in you and, and we work it out. You work, he said, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. It's not a one-time event. There was an entrance. There was an initial entrance into the kingdom. But after that entrance, there was work to be done. Why? Because He's perfecting us. And not just us individually, but He's doing this in light of the whole body of Christ. He's, he's, he's refining us and He's perfecting us as this, as this, as this body, this habitation of God. And as we've come into the kingdom, there's things that we have need of. Paul said, ye have need of patience. You see, there's things that we, we have need of. We have, we have need of grace to help in the time of need. We have need of mercy. We have, we have need of one another. Nobody can say to another person in the body, I have no need of you. See, when we come into the kingdom, we're not perfect and complete and whole. We're, there's refining that needs to happen. There's a, there's, there's things that need to go out. Now the Holy Spirit is, the Holy Spirit is gentle. And the Holy Spirit will, He's not, when I came into the kingdom, I can tell you right now, there was a lot of things that I needed to get rid of that I just really kind of wasn't, wasn't aware of. And if the Holy Spirit would have revealed them all to me at once, I might as well just have fainted. But see, He revealed these things to me and Whatever He reveals to you, whatever it is, whatever it is that the refiner reveals to you to, to purge out, just get rid of it. Just drop it, see? And then He'll, 
And then as you're refined, you, you see more and more. There'll be, you'll be more and more. You'll become, you come, you go from one increasing state of glory to another. He takes the soul who has just entered the kingdom and he begins to work in them to will and do of his good pleasure. There are still things in you even after you first believed and trusted in God and were baptized and entered into the kingdom. There were still and probably are still things in us that must be purged out as well as things that must be enhanced and refined. Now, I worked at a steel mill where raw ingredients were used to create slabs of steel, which were then sold to customers for various applications. In order to produce a good quality steel fit for use, the steel had to be first heated to over 3,000 degrees. That's one of the most violent refining processes on the earth. I believe that's why the Lord uses it. He says, as a refiner of silver, extreme heat, extreme pressure, oxygen jets blowing into the mix. It has to undergo a very violent process of mixing and stirring. And then there's this substance that comes out of that steel mixture. It's the slag or dross. It rises to the top as the steel's mixed. And a refiner has to get that slag, has to get that slag off. They've got to slag that off and get all of that pollutant off of there. Because if that mixes in with the steel, it causes inclusions in the steel. And if you build a bridge with steel that's filled with inclusions, that steel could fail. See, that steel won't be up to the test of what it's designed to be. It'll have things in it that aren't supposed to be there that will weaken it it for its ultimate purpose. It's the same thing, brethren, with us. God's refining us. He's, He's refining us to be able to be able, well able, to enter into our heavenly to, to our to our heavenly home. Amen. You know, I don't I don't tell you these things to simply give you a lesson in metallurgy, but it also wasn't God's intention either when He said He shall sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. That's right. I say these things because there are things that must be worked out of us and things that must be worked in us in order to fit fit us for there. A lot of these steel chemistries and a lot of these silver chemistries, there has to be things that are added. Not only does is the slag have to be taken off of it as it's refined, but there are things that have to be added to the chemistry. There are things that the refiner, he knows at a certain temperature, this has to be added. At a certain point in time, this has to be done. Now, if you were to sit back and you didn't know what he was doing, he would just look like a madman. There'd be sparks flying everywhere and heat flying everywhere. And sometimes that's the case when people look at our lives. They see heat and they see sparks and that they don't really, that nobody really sees us for what we shall be as of, as of right now. The body of Christ will not have any inclusions in her. She will be perfect and spotless that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. See, that that's what Jesus is doing as a as a purifier and a refiner. He's 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 making his church holy 
without blemish and spotless. This purging and refinement is with the whole body and mind. It's calculated to produce what God has intended for you to end up being in relation to the entire body of Christ. It's designed to get things out of you that need to come out and get things in you that need to go in. But that purging is not pleasant. And that refinement does not come automatically and without our involvement. The Holy Spirit is faithful to reveal to us the things that need to go. Those of us who have a dominating hope of glory, who are consistently changed from one state of glory to another state of glory by beholding the open face of Christ, have crucified the flesh with its affections and lust. We are purifying ourselves even as he is pure by submitting ourselves to the refiner and forsaking our ways, even when it causes us extreme pain and suffering. It's written through through much tribulation, you shall enter the kingdom of heaven. Amen. God didn't do that because he's cruel and he and he and he was just pleased from with with, with torturing his people. No. We must through much tribulation enter the kingdom of heaven. It was necessary for us to go through that to enter into glory. It was necessary. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. See, it was necessary. There are seasons where God will on purpose put you in heaviness. Peter said, wherein ye greatly rejoice... Though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations. See, it was, it was necessary. Why? That the trial of your faith, being much more precious than that of gold, that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory. Now, at the appearing of Jesus Christ. It, 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 it hasn't really been revealed what we shall be, but we know we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. That's the work that He's doing right now, brethren. The pressure and the heaviness and the trial of our faith in the end will bring God glory and will bring us an everlasting benefit. That the things that we endure now are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Do you love him? If you endure temptation, there's a crown for you. Suffering always precedes reigning without exception. Even in Christ's case, He suffered. He, he endured the cross, despising the shame. He's our, he's our forerunner, brethren. It says, if we suffer, we shall also reign with Him. It says, the God of all grace who has called us unto his eternal glory by Jesus Christ, after ye have suffered for a while, make you perfect. He said this to believers, people that were already in the fold. After you have suffered for a while, 
make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. Suffering for Christ through trials and tribulation and persecution actually makes you stronger, more stable, and settled. If you can, if you hold on to, if you can hold on to the Lord and hold on to the faith, when you go through a trial and, get, and make it to the other side, you'll be stronger. You'll be more settled and you'll be strengthened. It's the opposite in the world. <laughs> If you go through a really bad thing in the flesh, you're not really you're not really strengthened on the other side in the flesh. But see, this isn't the this isn't the way with spiritual trouble. You can go through trouble and be strengthened. He sits as a refiner of silver. This is the commission that God has given to him in bringing many sons to glory. He's not sitting in a state of inactivity. He's sitting as a refiner. He has a purpose. It is, it's his current occupation in the heavens at the right hand of God, his high priesthood and his intercession for us. It's crucial to this refinement. See, he was, he is our forerunner. He can be touched with the feeling of your infirmity. There's nothing that you can go through in this world that he hasn't gone through in greater measure. And see, he knows what you need to be refined. He knows it. The salvation of God is calculated to make you profitable for God through suffering. As we grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, we are not fruitless. This Lord Jesus Christ has eyes like a flame of fire. And the Holy Spirit that dwells in us makes intercession for us in groanings that we can't even utter. There, there can be things that we need in order to fit in there that we don't even understand that we need, but the Holy Spirit does. And he, and he, and he prays, see, he prays to, to Jesus and groanings that can't even be honored. He needs this. They need more grace. See, and, and Jesus has eyes as like a flame of fire. He can, he can see right through everything. He sits as the refiner. And the assembly of the saints, it's a special time of not purging. This is a special time of refinement. As iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. We come together and minister one to another in these things that the Lord God has provided us in His Son. That's why God has set prophets in the church, like Sister June was saying. That's why, that's why He set the members in the body unto the edification of the body of Christ. This is why. He's, he's refining us till, till we all come to the unity of the faith. See, that's what is that? That's the, that's the work of the refiner. That's what that is. As we with an open face behold the glory of God, we are transformed from one state of glory to another state of glory. I may not be perfect, but I'm not the same person that I was a couple of years ago. I can testify of that. And any serious student of the Lord can testify of that as well. You're not the same as you used to be. You're more like Him than you ever were. And we won't be satisfied until we're done. Whereby are given unto us exceedingly great and precious promises that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature 
having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. That's the purging. And besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue. This is the refinement. And to virtue, knowledge. And to knowledge, temperance. And to temperance, patience. And to patience, godliness. And to godliness, brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness, charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they shall make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that, we till we all come to the unity of a faith and unto a perfect man. The salvation of our God involves an entrance, that's for sure. A new creation born again created through His Word. But the point is not the entrance, it's preparing where we're heading. The people of the Lord are getting ready for a wedding. A better man He did create than Adam's fallen race. And you began a little babe while safe in his embrace. But soon there comes a time for a trial and a testing, purging out the dross to make us ready for the blessing. The refiner's fire burning purges dross out from the gold, and the brighter we're becoming as the cross becomes our mold, till at last we will be standing there and see him face to face. We're thankful for the sitting refiner so we can win the race. Thank you, brethren.